Hey, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. We're so glad you're listening to our podcast. If you want more information about the church, go to www.clovishills.com or you can download our app in your iTunes or Google Play Store. Enjoy the podcast. And uh, like I said last week, this service could be really good or it could go down in flames. Either way, it'll be fun to watch, right? So um, we are going to look into the scriptures today and I want to talk to you about why we sing in church and what the Bible has to say about it. I think it's uh, pretty important. In the, in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, Paul writes a letter to the, the church in Colossae. And chapter 3, 16 and 17, I'm not going to make you stand because it's just two verses, okay? We don't need to do religious calisthenics today. It says here, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let me read that again. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, and whatever you do in word or deed. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Whatever you do in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, when, you, when we interpret the scripture, one of, one of the things about the, the scriptures is... We want to, as best we can, figure out what it meant to the original people reading it. And, and then you apply it from there. So I want you to think about, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What that means. See, to the, to the person reading it in Colossae, they didn't have the New Testament. Because when we read it, I, everyone I ever read it with when I do a Bible study, they always say, oh, it's let the Bible dwell in you richly. And, and yes, but, but there's more to it than that. There's much more to it. What would they have thought when they read, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly? It was the gospel. They didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament and they had the story of God, how God um, had made us and we sinned and it separated us from God for eternity. And our sin separated us from him. And God saw that and he set out a plan in humanity and he picked a special people, the children of Abraham. And he said, through your family, through your people, through your descendants, one day a man will come and he will die for the sins of the world and he will reconnect his people to God and I will be their God and they will be my people. And when Paul is saying, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly, he's talking about the gospel, the good news that God's not mad at you as a matter of fact he's crazy about you he left heaven and earth for you he knew you by name and he just hopes that you would choose him because he's chosen you and see every week I don't know if you know we sing we get together and we sing the gospel and then and then we we preach the gospel and then we give for the furthering of the gospel and then I send you out to be the church. And really what that means is go live the gospel out in your life. Go obey Jesus. And so, so here, here's the deal. Today, we're going 
we're going to talk about why we sing. And I want you to understand something. Um, our, our, our worship team, uh, Iglesia Espan uh, Colvis Hills, I almost said Espanol. Yo, yo hablo poquito. Anyways, Iglesia, Iglesia Colvis Hills, Unplugged, all of them. We all set out really hard and we pick songs that they're not just like, oh, Jesus, you're my boyfriend kind of songs, okay? Because there's a lot of Christian songs that are like that. They're creepy. Oh, it's really simple. You just replace baby, baby, baby with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then it's a song. It's a hit Christian song. Here's the deal. We try and sing the gospel in every song because that's why we're here. And we want it to dwell in you richly. So today, I, I want it to dwell in you richly. That's my prayer for you. And I get it. Some of you in this room, I know what you're thinking right now. And I told Joseph this um, when I first got here, and it's kind of my philosophy of worship, and he's bought in on it, is um, in any given church in the world, and it's been every church I've ever been to, there's always three groups in the room when it comes to church music, all right? They're, the first third, they love music. They love to sing. They love, they're all in. You can get up and play any song you want, and they're like, Ooh, and they're crying. It's their thing. And they love it. How many of you are that third? Raise your hand if you're that third. See, and the other people are like, shut up. <laughs> so then there's a middle third. And they don't dislike music or they're just, they're indifferent. They're like, yeah, it's good, I guess. It's cool. And then there's another third. And they're not any less spiritual. They just don't like music as much as you guys. Okay, and um, if you're that third, don't feel like you're less spiritual because you don't like put your hands there and cry and do all that. You're, you're, you're not. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, good, because I'm not singing, pastor. <laughs> I get it. So today, here's what I want you to do is let the gospel dwell richly in your heart. Whether you're singing to your heart's content or maybe there's a line in the song you focus on. And we're going to sing an old song in a moment called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And we're not going to sing, I, those of you that really want the old school version, come thou fount of every blessing. We're not going to do it that way. It's got more of a twangy, kind of slower feel to it. But here's the deal. Um, in that song, the, these old songs have incredible lyrics. But the problem is, most of the time, we don't know what they say. In the second verse of this song, it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. And um, that, what's an Ebenezer? Well, in the Old Testament, the Jews, whenever God did something in someone's life or in their family, whenever God acted, they would stop and they would build a little altar. They'd set up a big stone and that stone would be a stone of remembrance, an Ebenezer stone. And, and every time they saw it, they would remember what God did in their life. That's right. That's when God stepped in and spoke to me. Or that's when I was financially destitute and somehow God stepped in and provided. Or that's when I was lonely and God did this or God did that. And it would be there for years and years and years. And they would be walking with their children and they'd be like, Dad, Dad, what's the Ebenezer stone? Oh, let me tell you about that stone. Let me tell you about how God, what he did in my life that day. And I built that altar to remember him. Grandma, Grandma, what's that Ebenezer stone? Oh, let me tell you about your great-great-grandfather and how God stepped into his life and it changed the trajectory of our whole family. Who you are today is because of what God did in his life. That's what an Ebenezer stone is. And I, I want to encourage you today as we sing this song, maybe some of you, you're not the singing types, that's cool. Maybe you focus on 
that moment, that time when God stepped in and he did something. Maybe he provided something. Maybe it was when he first spoke to you. Maybe it was when he called you back to him. Maybe it was in the midst of deep pain, you sensed his peace, whatever it was. And then for some of you today, you're like, I don't have that moment in my life. And, and I get that too. And this is a great church to be in if you're, that, if, if you're that person. Maybe when we get to the third verse, the thing you ponder on is, you know, it says, let, let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to these. Any, anyone got wandering hearts from God in the room today? Yeah. You know what a fetter is? It's a handcuff. And re really, maybe your prayer today as we're singing this song is, God, may your grace be shackled to me. Because here's the good news of the gospel is that once you put your faith in Jesus, the grace of God is shackled to you and you may take it into dark, dark places. You may drag Jesus and his grace into sin, but it will never leave you. It'll never forsake you. And eventually, what, when you're tired and you're hurt and you're broken and you're done with your sin, the grace of God is right there saying, you're ready for change now? And you ponder on that. So we're gonna do something right now um, that the Bible calls in, in the book of Psalms, Selah. Everyone say Selah. Selah means think about it. Ponder it. I know we live in a culture where you're always looking at your smartphone. We've always got something going on. I want you for a moment, it'll feel weird, to close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And be in the presence of God and, and ponder what your Ebenezer stone is. If you don't have one, talk to God and ask him to fetter his grace to you right now. And then I just want you to sit in quietness and be in God's presence for a minute or two and then we'll start singing. So, you know, uh, years ago, probably about four or five years ago when I first moved to Fresno, uh, I had a, an experience that happened to me and um, it ended up, sometimes you have these big moments in your life and they, they shape what you believe. And see, I had always known what worship was from the scripture and, and that's where I shaped my theology. And then God gives you these experiences to make the scripture come alive sometimes where you just start connecting all the dots and I had a weird one happen. I'm gonna be honest with you, this is a weird story, but I'm gonna tell it to you because I, 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 we're all safe here, right? Okay, so here's the deal. A couple year, years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I'm sitting in my office, I'm brand new to Fresno. I get a weird cryptic email from someone, I don't know who it is, can't tell if it's a man or a woman, and they're asking this weird theological question about how, you know, what, what if you um, followed Jesus and you led people to Christ, but then you turned your back on Christ and you started leading people away from Christ, are you damned to hell? And I was like, okay, that's a heck of a question to ask in an email. I can't reply that in an email. It'll be like a 14 page theological treatise. So I, I asked the person, I said, well, I, that's just not, I'm gonna, not going to answer that in an email. Why don't you come into my office and we can talk about it. And we'll look at what the Bible has to say. And they agreed. And um, so it was a Friday afternoon and I don't know who's going to come and I'm just kind of waiting. And then this young woman comes in and she's scared to death. She's like really nervous. And I get it when you come to visit the pastor. For some of you, it's like going to the principal's office. <laughs> I get that. Okay, there's a reverence. The rest of you are like, no, it's Sean. He's a dork. Um, I get that too. But um, she's really scared. 
like tripping out in the room. And I could tell like she was like very uncomfortable like being there. So she begins to tell her story and she says, you know, I, um, I grew up going to church, went through youth group, went to camps, did all those things. And then when I was, uh, my, my dream in life, I came from a very abusive home. I, I wanted to get out of my house. I wanted to get out of town. And my dream was when I got out of high school, I was going to join the Marine Corps. And that would be my ticket out of this terrible life I had. And um, she said, and I, I ended up getting in a car accident that made me physically unable to join the Marine Corps. And I was so mad at God. It was the one thing that was going to take me out of this terrible life I had, this abuse of this terrible home. And God ripped it away from me. And I had no escape. And I became very angry at God. And I resented God. And she goes, I was young and I was impressionable. And I met these people. And they ended up being part of this satanic coven. Those really do exist, I want you to know. And I joined it. And when I joined it, they said, oh, you go to church? And she said, well, no, I just joined a satanic covenant. I mean, come on. And they said, no, 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 no. We want you to keep going to your church. And they were, she was like, really? And they said, what do you do at your church? Do you serve at your church? She goes, yeah, I, I help in the youth group. And she goes, oh, perfect. They, they said, oh, perfect. We want you to go into the youth ministry and lead kids astray. And she went on to explain. She said, Sean, I've done things more wicked than you could ever imagine. I've done things more evil than I ever want to speak of. I don't want anyone to know about it. And I know I've sold my soul to the devil and I'm going to hell. And she'd been coming to Clovis Hills for a couple months. So I was like, so hold on. It, you, you think you're going to hell. You're, actually, you're certain you're going to hell, but you're coming to Clovis Hills. She's like, yeah, I met with a priest. The priest told me there's no hope for me. I'm going to hell. And I said, why are you coming to church then? And she said, well, Satan has my soul. But I have a three-year-old daughter and there's no way he's getting her. And I was like, oh. And he was, she was checking her into our children's ministry and she would come in here. And I, now, like, listen, that's so out of my theological box, okay? That's not like where Sean the Baptist lives, theologically. I was like, what is going on here? So then I, now I'm curious and I'm like, so, so what do you think about the church service? She goes, well, um, they hate it. And I'm like, who's they? And she goes, the voices. She said, there's, there's certain people in the church they really hate. And I was like, really? And she goes, oh, and they hate you too. She goes, I get like, that's why I'm like so nervous and shaking. Like I can hear them now. And now I'm like, okay. And I go, well, what do you think about the service? And she goes, well, you know, um, there's certain points in the service where they get so loud and so angry. I get physically sick and I have to leave the room and I go into the bathroom. I usually throw up. And I'm like, really? I did not know I was that bad of a preacher. And, and she, 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 I said, so, so what are those points in the service? And she said, oh, it's easy. It's when the church sings. And I, I was like, when the church sings? Not the band, right? And she said, yeah, when the people are singing. It makes them very, very mad. So um, 
I, that was just an interesting thing. So, so I said, well, can I, can I, do you want to receive Christ? Because that's not true. You can, you, there's no sin you've ever, you could ever commit that is bigger than what Jesus did on the cross. And, and she was like, I want to, I, I can't speak the name of Jesus. They won't let me say his name. And I was like, this is bizarre. And I said, well, how about I pray over you? I put my hand on your shoulder. I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to, we're going to tell them to leave in the name of Jesus. And she's like, I don't know. We've done this before. And I was like, well, let's just try. And she's like, ah. and I said, come on, let's, let's, let's try this. So she goes, okay. So I put my hand on her and I begin to pray. And all of a sudden it's like, like she turned into this like crazy, like different voice coming out her, freaking me out. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm praying. I'm like, ah, don't stop though. And I'm praying and I'm trying to pray this demon out of her. Never done this before. And after about 10, 15 minutes, it, it didn't help. So we're done and she's laying on the ground in my office kind of shaking and I'm like, what did I do? And I said, listen, I need backup. I'm coming to your house tomorrow. We're going to pray the, these suckers out of you because there's power in the name of Jesus, right? So, so I call all my Pentecostal friends because they're always like looking for demons under rocks and things like that. So I'm like, one of them could back me up on this because this is not my kind of the lane I, I drive in. And um, none of them were available. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I know I'll call the godliest person I know. And I said, Dave Love, you're coming with me. We're going to an exorcism. <laughs> so me and Dave Love are driving to an exorcism. That sounds like a joke, right? <laughs> so we pull up this lady's house. She's freaking out. She's scared to death. And we go in and we begin to talk to her and, she's, and we're like, do you want to receive Jesus? And she's nodding. She's like, I do. I, I can't say his name though. And, and you know, Satan owns my soul. And Dave Love said something so rad, just boldly in his, with his big smile. He said, listen, you're right. Satan has the deed to your soul right now. But if you receive Jesus, you just sign that thing over to him. And when the old landlord comes knocking, you can say there's a new owner of this house and his name is Jesus. And if you want me, you got to talk to him. Do you want that? And she said, she said, she nods and we said, okay, let's go. So we laid our hands on her. And again, it was like, you know, all kinds of craziness going on for about 10, 20 minutes. Right? I mean, we're doing it. It felt like three hours. And I'm looking at Dave sometimes and we're both like. And then out of nowhere, eventually she just kind of whispers, Jesus, help me. It comes out. And it was the craziest thing, you guys. Like she just became a new person. Like she went from shark eyes to like light in her eyes. And she was like, and then she just said it again, Jesus, help me. She goes, I can say his name. And we prayed right there to receive Jesus. And it was such a cool moment. And then I came back to church on Sunday morning and I'm walking down this aisle right here and I'll never forget it. She's sitting on this side and, and I'm walking down the aisle while worship is where most of you come late after worship. I get it. She's there for all three songs. And as I walk down the aisle, there she is, hands in the air worshiping with all her heart. After church, it was 10, the 1040 service. We had a baptism that day. She jumped in the baptism in her clothes and she said, I want to get baptized. So when I'm baptizing her, you know, we always ask, you know, do, do you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And she said, yes. And then I just felt like I needed to ask her this question. I said, do you, do you recant 
Do you speak out? Do you forsake Satan and all evil in this world? And she looks at me and she goes, hell yes. <laughs> and we put her under. See, Jesus said to Peter, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And here's what I believe from that moment on. When God's people come together, when the church comes together and we worship, the Bible says, so the Son of Man be lifted up, the world will be drawn unto him. When God's people come together and we lift Jesus up, we collectively push back the gates of hell throughout our city. That's what you do when you worship. Because worship is warfare. King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, when he sent the Israelites to war, you know who he sent first? He didn't send the archers. He didn't send the infantry. He didn't send the catapults. He didn't send the horsemen. He sent the worshipers first. The singers, the musicians, they went into battle first because they knew it was the Lord's battle. And when you lift the Son of Man up, the Son of Man always wins. So we're about we're about to have church up in here. We're about to have church. So I want to encourage you with all your might. Let's push them back, huh? You guys can be seated. Like I said, we're going to have church in here today. And um, so I, I have a, a friend, and whenever he calls, I... I drop everything and I, I go hang out with him because usually when he calls me, he wants to show me something from God or someone. And um, he called me one day and he's like, hey, I, I want to introduce you to this guy. Can you carve out a couple hours? And I'm like, you bet. So he drives me like way out in the middle, like in, in the country, like ding, 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 country kind of deal. <laughs> and there's this old, old Native American dude selling honey on the corner. And I, I was like, okay. So, and he, you know, he was old. I mean, he, I think he was in his mid eighties, but he looked like he was about 400 years old. I mean, he, Methuselah got nothing on him. So we sit down and we start talking and he's telling me his life story. And, um, and he happens to come across, he starts talking about where he's at in his life now. And he goes, you know, I, I, I sit here, I sell this honey and I pray for every car that comes by and, you know, um, and he said something about his arthritis, how he has really bad arthritis. I said, tell me about your arthritis. And he said, well, it, it hurts me so bad that it brings me to literal tears every morning to get out of bed. Like I'm in constant pain my whole life, or this, this part of my life. And um, I've asked God to take it away. I've had people he pray healing over me, and he just won't take it away. And um, it's, so I was like, so, so what do you do? And his eyes lit up. He goes, oh, what do I do? He goes, I praise him. When it hurts so bad, I can't get out of bed. I just praise him. When it hurts to get in the car and drive out here, I just praise him. And that stuck with me because when it hurts, the world wants you to complain. The world wants you to blame. It's not your fault. Why did this happen? 
And this old guy got something that we didn't get. That, you know, he defiantly planted his flag in the sand and said, no, I'm going to praise him when it hurts. I don't care what everyone else says. You know, we live in a hurting world. And, and the way of Jesus is always so countercultural to, to, to what our culture is telling us to do. I'm going to let you in on something right now. Um, there's a lot of racism in, in going on. There's a big talk about racism in our country. It, I, I'm just going to let you know, whoever you put in as president will never solve racism. racism. The king of kings is the one who's going to bring it to an end. In Christ, there's neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free, male nor female. They're all one. And we live in a world, and you probably got things going on in your life that you're scared of. Maybe you've got relational problems with a family member or, or someone you love or a friend. Maybe you've got financial problems right now. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. Maybe you've got physical ailments. Maybe you've got a sickness. You've got something going on. And you've asked God to take it from you, and he won't. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, do. What my friend did. Plant your flag in the sand and say, no, he's good. In the midst of my pain, he's good. In the midst of my, my struggle, he's good. In the midst of my sin, he's good. In the midst of my heartache, he's good. He is good. So let's push back hell together. Oh, you are good. 
never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Come on, church. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Today, here's my hope, is that the gospel's been dwelling richly in your heart. Because you are more loved than you could ever imagine. This morning at 9 o'clock, it was so cool, we had a whole family come forward to receive Christ. It was such a neat thing. And here was my prayer for them. My, my prayer was this. I, I prayed a blessing over them. They got their bulb. They got their Bible. But I, I prayed for them and I, I said this to them. I said, God, may you set this family apart for great things, greater things than they could ever imagine. That generations from now, this moment when they stepped into your kingdom would change their family forever. And Father, what they don't know about you today, would you give them the faith to trust until they do now. See, the Bible says this very clearly, right? If we're gonna let the gospel dwell richly in our hearts, we have to believe the gospel. The gospel is not the beginning of your faith, it is your faith. That's why we come together every week and we sing the gospel, we preach the gospel, we, we give towards the gospel. I send you out of this room and I tell you to go be the church. And really what I'm asking you to do is take that good news out into your world. And, and that's how you be the church, when you carry the gospel out and you, and you share it with people. You don't go to church, you are the church. Let me tell you something about worship. Worship in Romans 12, 1 says this, it's very clear. See, 
It says in Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech ye brethren. Okay, that's the old King James Version. You know what that means? It means, I beg you, brothers and sisters. Okay? I'm begging you, brothers and sisters. And then Paul says, in full view of God's mercy. I, I beseech ye, brethren, in full view of God's mercy. Do you know what that means, full view of God's mercy? It means when the gospel dwells, it flows in you, that you get it, that all of a sudden it's that moment that you realize just how sinful you are, but just how forgiving you are. That it generates this gratitude in you that you want to obey Jesus. Not that you have to obey Jesus to get to heaven, that you want to because you want to please him for what he's done for you. And this is what Paul was talking about. Brothers and sisters, in full view of God's mercy, when the gospel is dwelling richly in your heart, he says, I beseech you, brethren, in full view of God's mercy, to give your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, to obey God. And then he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. See, some of you, you think singing is worship, and that's just part of it. That's like looking at the steering wheel of a car and saying, that's the car. Singing is just one small part of worship. Worship is what you do with the gospel and how you let it change you and transform you. That's why we have growth groups, guys, because not only do we wanna to come together once a week and, 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 and worship Jesus and let the gospel dwell richly in our heart, we want you to go back and make friends among, amongst one another and discuss the gospel. And encourage one another to follow the gospel. That's what worship is. We sing, but there's far more to worshiping God than singing. And we're gonna sing a song right now um, that's an old, old song that Christians, whether they were Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Pentecostal or Church of Christ or whatever, whatever flavor you want, they've been saying this creed for thousands of years. This is one we all agree on. And really what we all agree on is that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He was crucified on the cross for your sins. And whoever would believe in his name, if you would believe in his name, you could receive Christ and become a child of God. That your sins, past, present, and future are forgiven and your life is set forth. It doesn't mean your life is gonna be peachy. And if you accept Christ, you're gonna be like, say amen. And all of a sudden birds are gonna land on your shoulders and you're like, oh, hello, my friends, I'll never sin again. As a matter of fact, life might get really hard for you. And you'll go through trials, but here's what I want you to know. You'll walk through them with Jesus. You'll walk through them with the author of all things, the God of all creation, the most high God has you and he'll never let go of you. And you walk into eternity with him. And you can choose your own way or you can choose the way of Jesus. God loves you so much, he's given you that freedom to do it. But the Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means boss, your boss, you'll be saved. The book of John in chapter one, verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, Jesus that is, to those who call on his name, believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God that today you could step in from, from death to life, that you could receive Jesus. And see, here's the deal. You've got a plan for your life, but God, I'm letting you know, God has such a better plan for your life. If you would lay down your way and you would take up the way of Jesus. There's about a thousand of my friends that have been in this room today that would testify to that, amen? It'll change your life. It doesn't mean your life gets peachy. 
It means you have peace as you go through life. It means you have salvation at the end of your life. That when you face God, he says, come on in, my child. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone listens, I'll come in. What he's saying is he wants to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. And start in you a journey with him. In him making you the person you were created to be. I don't know about you. I'm 45 years old. I still don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, man, I'm not, I'm just not all together. I'm going to let you in on something. It's because you're not. But here's the good news of the gospel. When you invite Christ in, he doesn't complete it instantly. He sets you on a path the rest of your life of making you the person you were always created to be. That person deep down inside, you don't know what he or she looks like, but you know you're not them. He's on the quest to make you fully human and fully alive if you would receive him. Let's bow our heads and pray right now. For some of you today, today's the day that you make that stand. You say, I believe in you, Jesus. I've been going my way, but I wanna take up your way today. I'm going to lay my life down and I want to take up yours. I realize, God, that my sin has separated me from you. Lord Jesus, I open up my heart to you. Come in and forgive me of my sin. Change me. Make me the person you want me to to be. I don't know what that person looks like, but in faith, I'm going to believe that you're going to take me that way. And I'm going to follow you as best I can to find that way. If that's you this morning, and that's the prayer of your heart, you've never received Christ before, but today that's your, God is knocking at the door of your heart. Don't put it off. Invite him in right now. If that was the prayer of your heart, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand right now if you prayed that prayer? Because I want to bless you right now. God, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Hold them high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Oh, too many to count, Lord. Father God, For every hand that went up, Lord, we want to rejoice. We want to thank you. Some of them, Lord, I'm sure you're just bringing them home to something they believed earlier in their life. Some today, it's their first time, and we thank you for that, Lord, too. And Father, the good news that you're not mad at us, that you love us, and that together we come together and we are going to push back hell, Lord. We want to decrease lostness in our city. And we thank you. And I pray a blessing on every person that raised their hand right now, Lord. You would set their, part, their life apart for greatness in your kingdom. And what they don't know about you, you would give them the faith to trust you until they do know it about you. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, here's the deal. If you raised your hand this morning, if that was you, first and foremost, on behalf of Clovis Hills Community Church, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Amen? Amen. We have a great tradition here. And um, when you receive Christ, we give you this little bulb right here. It's a one-watt LED bulb. And um, it's for you to have... And if you can keep it in your pocket if you want, but really what we ask you to do is take that bulb and you, you, you find a spot on the Jesus's life, light bright sign that we have here and put it in there. And you represent, that bulb represents you, a new light in Jesus Christ. 
and it's how you can mark your day. It's an Ebenezer stone, if you think about it. It says, on August 20th, I received Christ. I came forward, I got my bulb, and I stuck it right in the eye. I stuck it right on the S. And every time you walk into church, when you're discouraged, you can remember the day that God spoke to you and say, that I remember God, God, was, God is good. And I may not hear him today, but I remember that day I did, and I will hold on to that by faith. This is your Ebenezer stone. I want to encourage you when church is done, if you prayed that prayer today, come forward and, and get one of these from me. Our prayer team will be up here. We'll help hand them out. Um, there's going to be a lot of you, I think. We'll also give you a Bible. The rest of you, though, you just heard the gospel. And in the Old Testament, when God freed the Jews, you know what they did? You know what they did the minute they got out of slavery? They crossed the Red Sea and it said they worshiped him. When Jesus died on the cross and freed you from your sin, do you know what your response should be? You worship him. So let's stand together and let's push back hell together.